What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Game Plan DFS and Bets Bet Show. With me, as always, John Statsational Alessia, the genius behind the Sharp app. John, I've been following your top props the last few days and just printing. What What is your record? Like you've been putting out the the props off the Proptimizer Sharp app. How How last few day? What are you? Where's your record? Because I feel like it's win after win. It's been insane right now um, on the top props. So. Jeez, last night just in the NBA was plus eight units, and the one MLB bet was a winner. So, I mean, you basically had plus nine units just last night. The top props in the last three days, I think 13, 14 units, something like that, over the last three days. You know, we had someone actually pop into the Discord in the general who was with us the prior year for NBA and kind of took a hiatus and now wants to be back for the NBA. He said, hey, how you doing? And it was like two days into the season, two or three days into the season, and it was down a couple of units. So I says, oh, you know, we're off to a slow start. And he's like, well, I'm just going to wait till you heat up. And I'm like, well, Should when wait. you wait for the heater, you miss the heater. So, you know, listen, we were up like 165 units in total since we've been doing this top prop, since I've been doing the top prop article. And you, you can't, you can never pick a shoe. You never know when you're going to get hot. You never know when you're you're going to win, you know, rattle off 10 in a row. Last night, 10 and two on the NBA props. Three, uh, three of them. That's what I'm talking about. I, I don't want to hear about the, the, I like the record. Yeah, I mean, listen, one of the guys, I actually put them out in two parts because there was a ton of games last night. So I put like the first, whatever, five, six games, and then I worked on the the other five or six games. And uh, so the first the first uh, crop that I put out, they all won. So there was a, a, some people in the chat who put them in round robin and uh, just won like 14 units just on that in a round robin bet. So yeah, people were excited uh, for sure. Yeah. In there. Re- and that's how it goes. Listen, you're going to have, you know, I might go a week flat and then boom, you pop another one for like, you have like an eight and one night. I mean, that's, that's betting. I wish I could just go, you know, it'd be much nicer if you just went like five and two every night and just kind of, you know, that's not the way it goes. It goes up and down, but we've had uh, many more ups. So that's been the good thing. And it's all really, a lot of it's based on the prop optimizer. I was saying this in our chat this morning. I'm like, you know, I'd love to take credit for being like some prop genius. I'm not. You know, but I understand how to use the numbers. I know how the Proptimizer works, and I'm picking what I think are the best props out of the Proptimizer. And it's, it's, you know, it's it's not anything that you guys can't do either, because once you, you know, w- when you're working with really good tools, it just makes the job a lot easier. So I, I think the Proptimizer is about as good as it gets on the market for props out there, and uh, I mean, just well worth it. Well worth getting a, a pro subscription just for that. Love to hear it. And of course, uh, for uh, the watchers of the show, um, code DFSA 20, 20% off uh, your subscription to Sharp. There's a link in the description for that. But let's get into um, let's get into this week. NFL, of course, uh, NBA's crushing the bets and the props and all that. But we got some NFL action this week, and we're going to talk about our top plays. Uh, this is a very difficult week. Tough to pick winners. Good week to be on underdogs, John, your, your style. Um, tough to pick winners. QBs hurt everywhere. Um, it is bananas out there. Every game, there there are multiple games with 40 and below um, totals. There's no big totals on the slate. There's no 50-pointer. They stuck that one in, in, in London. The only good game, if it was on the main slate, I'd be 90% exposed to it. That's in London. It's not on the main slate. Chiefs, they're in London. So... We've got we've got and Miami in London. So we we have an interesting slate. I love it for DFS because you're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to pick guys that you don't normally like to play because who else are you going to pick? We'll get into it. And um, 
for DFS purposes as well, it's going to be a creative week. The the QBs are really spread out. So let's let's jump right in and talk about the first game on this slate, uh, main slate of games. We're going to talk bets. We're going to talk some DFS plays, and we're going to give us a game plan for the week. So let's get started here. First game up, Vikings at the Falcons. Um, this one carries a 37-point total. Oh, it's not good. Vikings rolling out um, rookie for a sixth round or, or some late rookie pick QB that they never expected to play. Nick Mullins hurt. Um, Dobbs not ready to play. So they've got, uh, I, I can't even remember his name right now. Hall, Jalen, Evan Hall, Jalen Hall, something like that. So they're rolling out a rookie QB here and it looks ugly. But yeah, John, because the Falcons are so mediocre on the season, they're, they're only four and a half point favorites. Taylor Heineke, I believe, taking the helm for the Falcons. I like that. I like Taylor Heineke better than Ritter for, for just executing an offense, I, I think. But Taylor Heineke taking over the, the reins for the Falcons here. Four and a half point home favorites. Um, 37 point total. You, you, is this one of those, if you take the underdog, take the under situations? If you take the favor, take the over? Or no over, no nothing? Well, how, how, do, we, how do we play this from a betting angle? Or do we? Yeah, I mean the total. The total, I think, is a little tricky. It's it's tough with the man when you get the new quarterbacks in, and and I mean that's going to be a theme here this week. But uh, I think the I think the total's tough for me. I find it a little easier to play the spread, and I actually like Minnesota in this game. So um, yeah, I know it's crazy. What? I know, I know. Listen, I also I, I'm a guy who bets preseason uh, football as well. So. Uh, and I've done pr fairly well at it. You're gonna have to kind of trust me on on this stuff. But you can take you can take advantage um, when you're betting with the back when you've got a backup quarterback come in or a new quarterback come in in certain situations. Based on you know the market has a tough time in figuring out just exactly what that point differential should be. So I, I always think those are those are sometimes the games where you do have uh an advantage when you have two quarter like you have that Miami Kansas City game it's kind of a very known it, you know you're you know what you're getting into and those are actually harder to beat now the the average joe sits there and they're like they feel more you know what it is it's a comfort feeling it's a feeling yeah, you've inside. seen it before so yeah. you feel like at least i have somewhat of a script right. in my mind of what's going to go on here i got no script for for jaron hall i don't know anything well, about him here's a, like people listening to this right now they're sitting there going they're saying they're saying the same thing it, it again this goes back to like preseason football like if you play preseason football if you're betting preseason football you're just a degenerate and i'm like well for one 99% of people who are betting don't know what the hell they're doing anyway so like what makes you think that just because you have a, a clue as to the starters and you've watched, you know, again, I'll go back to like Miami and Kansas city. Like you've seen every game this year. So by that theory, you should be able to just pick those games right every single time. And we know that doesn't happen. Right. So uh, this notion that you can't take the game when there's a backup quarterback in, cause you don't know what to expect. Guess what? You don't know what to expect from K like, did you think Buffalo was going to, was, was going to uh, lose the games that they've lost this year? Like, did you think no. the Jets were going to be Philadelphia? I don't know. I watched all the games. I didn't think the Jets were better than Philadelphia, but guess what? They beat them. So that's how the NFL, if, if, if it didn't work that way, we'd all still be alive in survivor pools, but that's not how it works. Right. So seven point underdogs lose all the time. So anyway, uh, I do like Minnesota in this game. I think, I think they're, uh, they're waiting this one a little too much. I don't. I'm not as big a fan of moving to the Heineke as uh, as maybe you are. So I'm going to take the four and a half points 
with uh, with Minnesota in this one. You got balls, man. Um, there's no there's no DFS plays to really worry about in a game like this. Um, you know, on the Falcon side, I might have had some interest in London. Actually, I will say this. If London was out, uh, London, I probably have some interest in him just because he's the only target. But if he's out, um, then uh, Mac, I can't remember his first name, but the the backup wide receiver, the, the WR2, uh, Khalil Mack? No, that's the... Uh, Mac Collins. Yeah, Mac Collins. That's I'm like, wait, why can't I remember his name? Mac Collins, the backup wide receiver, won us a DFS tournament last year. And so I have happy memories of him. And if he becomes like the de facto number one wide receiver, I'm interested in him. But really, Bijan is the only piece out of this game that really carries any value. And Bijan's there because of this idea that the running back should benefit in a situation where um, in uh, offenses, especially the opposing offense, is probably going to be inefficient with a rookie quarterback in there so i expect like turnovers and i expect getting the football in favorable spots on the field and i don't see why the falcons can't move the football with um you know with taylor heineke at the helm so uh i'm interested in Bijan, and plus there's just like so few running backs that are viable on the slate you have to keep them all in mind there's just not that many of them as you'll see as we break this down I would not take the Vikings, and I, I, the balls of that move is just like beyond what I. <laughs> you see, it's like you know, people say that like you'll think that in your head, and I'm like, at the end of the day, they put a number on this game. They put a four and a half number on the game. It's if you know nothing else, if you're just a, a monkey throwing darts at a board, this is a fifty-fifty shot, right? So to me, it's not balls. Like I never feel the balls you play, but that's exactly what people yeah. people think. You know, when you play again, you I, you go to the preseason football. They're like, man, that's that takes ball. I'm like, well, they put a number on the game. These games are, you know, the dogs are going to win fifty percent. The favorites are going to win fifty percent. Your job's to try to skew that to like fifty five percent and make some money. So, um, yeah, not, it, I, I'm never scared in in betting game. If I lose, I lose. But uh, but I'm never I'm never uneasy. I get more uneasy trying to figure out. I hate pool. You know, the pools where you just have to pick the game without the point spread. Yeah, like, that's those are easy. Just take the just take the favorites. But I hate those. With a passion, because I'm like, I'm I'm incentivized to just take the favorites, it's, it's and I never do well in those. It, those are flipping a flipping a, a coin weighted sixty percent to heads, and and like, what am I supposed to just randomly pick tails every once in a while? Right, like, right. You know, everybody's picking heads, so you're like, fuck, I got to pick tails once in a while. Where should I do it? The, I don't like that. I don't like that either because exactly. it takes away the numbers, and it takes it's a hundred percent just game theory, and it's 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 tricky. Um, I, I, I feel that. All right, let's move on. Uh, another game, another game. Uh, who's the quarterback? I don't know. Cardinals taking on the Browns, right? I don't know who the quarterbacks are in this game. Either side. Uh, Cardinals are plus eight and a half. Underdogs heading out to Cleveland, taking on the Browns. Browns are minus eight and a half. So maybe Deshaun Watson's going to play. Maybe. Um, he's practicing on the Cardinal side. Clayton Toon coming out. I don't know. Kyler Murray, maybe. Probably Clayton Toon. So, this is a weird game where um, I'm not sure who the quarterbacks are as of this moment, but I definitely know that the Cardinals quarterback is not going to be very good because if Kyler Murray coming off injury, he's probably going to be a mess out there. I I, I don't even think he's going to play this week. And and the Browns, like it's Deshaun Watson, what are you going to get? I don't know. Last time we saw him, he couldn't throw a football. Maybe he's better now. Maybe not. Hard to say. But uh, the Browns are eight and a half point favorites here. So what do you do? Yeah, from the betting side, this one's a little trickier for me. I think, you know, this is that classic Wong-type teaser where you could tease the Cleveland down. We were talking about this before we got on the air because for Survivor Pools, you're like, you know, this is the most popular pick this week is Cleveland. 
This and would not be, and we talked about it, this would not be my choice for a safe pick. Yeah. Although I understand why you would take Cleveland. Yeah, you know why people are taking them, obviously. Yeah. I mean, Arizona's not win. very good. Cleveland, you're not going to have that many chances to take them uh, the rest of the season. So I get why, and everyone really has Cleveland available to them probably in their pools to take. But, man, this is a week where you could potentially, Arizona can easily win this game, and you could potentially uh, pick up on over half the field in survivor pool so this is an interesting one watch I, I do as a whole survivor video for those that don't know and if you're in a pool i would strongly suggest checking it out it's on the app and on our, our youtube channel for the sharp app but um yeah i mean the this is a classic wong the wong bets are basically you just kind of blindly tease the eight points down to two and you cross that seven in the three so that's the only betting angle for me um on this game i think this one this one's a little trickier you're gonna have to wait we're gonna need the info but i do think it's gonna probably be uh it'll probably be deshaun watson i don't think we're getting kyler murray just yet and uh, like you said you know first game back if it was him i don't know what to expect so i i would i would be uh a little hesitant on this game if it was Murray. but i don't think it's going to be um i think we got at least another week to go before we we see kyler murray yeah i don't see a somebody named clayton tune being um Somebody that we got to be super scared of in uh, well, fantasy football. Well, put it this way. He was behind Dobbs, who played well. I mean, you can't yeah. take away Dobbs, but he was still playing behind Dobbs. And it's not like this is the kid that they're grooming for the future, right? So, yeah, you, you can't really expect all that much here. He's just a body. Listen, miracles happen. Um, uh, uh, Cinderella stories do happen in the NFL on occasion. But, you know, if, if we're betting on Cinderella stories, it wouldn't be Cinderella stories. They would be the usual. So it would be highly, highly crazy if, especially against the Browns, a, a particularly good defensive team for um, a, a road Cardinals team to have much success. You can't touch these teams from a, uh, you, you definitely can't touch the Cardinals from a DFS point of view. Uh, 37 and a half point totals gross, but the Browns team total is not one of the worst on the slate. It's up there on the, on the better side. And um, I don't have any problem if uh, I, the running game's a little weird for the Browns. This would normally be a great game to target the running game, but now they have three guys, Strong, uh, Hunt, and Ford, all getting touches. That's a bad scene uh, for me. It's too many names. I think a lot of people like Kareem Hunt this week, which also makes him less attractive to me from a DFS perspective because, like, Chalk Hunt splitting with two other guys just doesn't really... It, it could be okay, but I, I don't think so. And then um, I don't hate Amari Cooper. If if Deshaun Watson is back, that's fine. He's a he's a guy who's going to get most of the targets, so that would be the only place I would go. I don't think they're going to really need to throw a ton here, so uh, I'm going to lean towards nothing in this game outside of Browns defense, which is the most expensive defense on the slate and going to be tough to get to them. Um, all right, next up, the Rams at the Packers. The Rams are three and a half point road underdogs taking on uh, the Packers, who are two and five uh, on the season. This game carries another anemic 38.5 point total. And, and John, <laughs> once again, um, not sure about the QB situation here as the Rams, uh, Stafford, not, not certain to start. If he doesn't play, it's going to be the backup, uh, Brett Rippon. It's a real big difference if it's Stafford or, or Rippon. I, I am going to predict as of this moment that it will be the backup quarterback, but I don't know. You know, Stafford got like a thumb issue, something going on with his hand. And those, you know, we've seen um, fields out for weeks over a dislocated thumb. I, I don't know uh, as of this moment what's going to happen with Stafford. But how do you deal with that situation? Has this has this line moved to where they're assuming he's out? 
I feel like this is a I feel like this is a Stafford outline um, because I would have had this. I, I would have had the Rams closer to a pick them in this game or favored, um, right? They're getting three and a half points right now. Yeah. Wouldn't they so, be favored if Stafford was coming in healthy? Even or? favored. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It, pick them, maybe minus one, something like that. I, so I feel like this is this is a line that's projecting Stafford not to be in there. Um, when I'm looking at uh I don't know what the DFS. I haven't really looked at DFS projections too closely um, and seeing where where everybody is in the market as far as who they're predicting yet. I didn't look at DFS Army our uh, projections over there, but um, I would assume that it's not going to be Stafford now. Even without Staff, I actually I'm going to wait and see on this one. Actually, what I think the move is I haven't done it yet is I may just dabble a little bit and take the plus three and a half because I think Green Bay is terrible either way. I don't like this Green Bay team. So I'll take the three and a half. If I get Stafford, that probably, you know, I'll probably wind up with a really good line here. And even without Stafford, I'll take the plus three and a half. So I think that's the move here. I don't is, think it's uh, going to jump on it now. I don't think it's going to move against you, John. I, like, I think you're, you're right. I think the declaration of Stafford out, the only thing you might see is like a temporary blip to four. Like, I, I don't think it's going to go four and a half, five and a half because there's a defense, you know, the Rams defense has been decent and, and you're right. The Packers offense has not been very efficient. Um, so far this year, I don't think that's going to burn you. No, I like the three and a half. I, it's, it's actually one of my favorite plays this week is, is the Rams. I think they, they probably go in there and win the game. It's only, and, and you nail these plays. This is why you're a sharp, you know, I come in here with my square head, just like, I'm not talking about Brett Rippon. You know, the last thing I want to do is rely on backup quarterbacks to, you know, steer my bets to, to wins. And, you know, you're all those numbers. It's it's very sharp. This is uh, you know, the mind of a of a of a true professional sports better, guys. Um, so I'm always impressed here. There's no DFS angles to play on this game <laughs> on either side. There's nothing to do here. So we move on. Um, commanders, and and, and by the way, that's a lot of this week. It makes the week of DFS really fascinating. There's no plays here. You can't play these guys, so we move on. I mean, is it going to be a week where we just don't stack anything and we just like... No, I, we're not doing that. But, no, you but, have to stack. But, you, you have to stack, but like I don't think game stacks are coming into no. play super heavy. There's no. a few games where I said to myself, you know, the only way this blows up, but... but Maybe we don't need the, to come back in any of these games. I, I'll tell you the true DFS angle. The true DFS angle is you play this laid out where you don't have to worry as much about four plus X scores from your players. You want to just lock in like those 25s and those 20s, because I believe that the winner of the tournament this week might just be like a 200, a 205. You're not going to see 250s and 270s, which allows you to take a player like an 8K that only gets 26, and, and you're still in the nuts with that. Where in a previous, in another week, you know, you you put in a, a 9K player and he gets you 27, and you've already lost the week. You're, you're out of it already. So it's going to be a different. It's going to be a different week in DFS for sure. Um, that much I can promise you. Um, all right, let's move on. The next game we have on the docket here: the Commanders on the road at the Patriots. Patriots are three-point home favorites in this one, and the total is set at another low, uh, forty point five points. A um, couple of notes here. Number one, the Patriots favored. Okay, getting that home home field advantage. Um, Commander uh, Patriots pretty much lost their top wide receiver, I guess, in Kendrick Board last week. Demario 
Douglas moves up into that role, most likely. Um, on the commanders, you know, it's still it's still pretty much status quo. So how do you see this one going down? Commanders three-point road underdogs here. Sam Howell looking pretty good. Uh last week at least. Put I don't know why they play either Philly so well. They played Philly well. Yeah, we had that game. I mean, just pushing that game was a, was a heartbreaker. Uh, I had Washington and just thought that was a W the whole way. And and then wound up being we had to come back just to push it. So I guess at the end of the day, I'll take the push. But the, these are two teams I've been on. Um, I was on – I've been on New England for like three weeks in a row. Washington, like I said, I had last week. Um, but the – well, let me first tell you where the where the uh, the sharp right. So the sharps took this. They took the Patriots minus two, and they took this to the over. So that's what's kind of bumped the total up just a little bit, and it's knocked the Commanders are up now plus three and a half. Now that it's at three and a half, I really like Washington plus the three and a half. Um, I know I'm, what I'm going to hear in the comments is like, "Don't you realize Washington just traded their defense and they just traded like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm familiar, but." It's not it's not nearly as big of a, a move as you think. Like Chase Young, I get it. Good player, not game changing player. Just not the player that uh, I think a lot of us expected. Great, you know, I'll take him, but he's not one of the those guys on defense that's going to absolutely change the entire game. Like you've seen what a Miles Garrett do. Like there's very few of those guys who win games for themselves. So I'm not overly concerned um, with this. I think the three and a half is too much. I think these teams are a lot closer than that. They're basically telling you that the Patriots are better than the Commanders. Are the Patriots really that much better than the Commanders? Are they a point and a half better on a neutral field? I don't think so. I think these teams are closer to even. So I, I like the, the three and a half here. You know, not one of my stronger plays, but definitely a play. I will be, uh, I'll be putting this in. Yeah, I, I like it. I like that spot. And, and again, it's just one of the things I, I always look at when taking, especially a three-point underdog is, do you see this team winning? Like, do you give them a... You give them a reasonable shot of just winning this game, and I would say yes uh, on on Washington. They've been they've been decent. Their offense um, functions uh, efficiently. They have a running game. They have uh, they have a decent passing game sometimes. Howell's been much better at home than on the road, but you know that's that's all kind of uh, that's just noisy. That's just noise. Um, there are a couple of DFS angles that are interesting here. I'm looking at your uh, the power ranking sheet for this one just to get a sense of it. And, and of course I, I would, I would give like a little bit of a bump to uh rushing yards potential for the Patriots here, considering Washington did trade away some significant, uh, at least run defenders. Uh, so they did get rid of a couple of their um, important pieces on defense, which maybe opens up the running game a smidge for new England. Um, but currently the big projection is new England passing yards at 249, which is a, a, a significantly above average number for the for the Patriots. If we take a look at Washington, we see that they're allowing 44.48 yards per game ab uh, above mean expectation to the wide receiver position. So I'm going to tell you right now that one of the best plays, one of my favorite plays on the um, at, at wide receiver in terms of a pay down option is going to be Demario Douglas. He looks, I hope I'm saying his name right, but he looks like, um, the wide receiver that's going to get the biggest bump from Kendrick Bourne being out. The Patriots don't have a lot going on at wide receiver. Like there's not a lot of guys. Devontae Parker is basically dust. Um, you you really can't, you almost can't play Devontae Parker. And then after that, it's just a it's just basically a bunch of of retreads and nayer duels. Like you don't even, you know, there's no one there 
that is of interest. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster is also dust. Uh, Jalen Rager, remember him? So Tyquan Thornton, maybe. Actually, Tyquan Thornton may be a little interesting as a crazy, super deep Stoneman GPP play. He's a burner. But I kind of have a mild interest in Mac Jones as well, just on a slate where there's nothing going on. So uh, the the red uh, the, the commanders have been a team that you want to throw against. Um, they've been a pass funnel, as you could see, for all those yards above expectation to the wide receiver position. Got to play some of this, but man, it is this is how the kind of slate goes down. But Demario Douglas for me is probably the top line slate. How do you feel about uh, Ramondre? I mean, he's not been exciting, but could be an acceptable spot for him. I think if the Patriots are favored, that's usually the kind of spot where you want that running back. Yeah, I mean, it's it's okay. I don't I don't love it. Um, I think there's some better no. options. Limited. Uh, the options are limited, John. I'm telling you. I know it's limited. limited. You know, Washington yeah. has been really terrible against wide receivers. They've been decent against the, yeah. the running back. I mean, New England. Yeah. What about I mean, here's you know what I didn't, like you know what I think didn't that, think of? What's up? You know what I didn't think of? You know, Sam Howell's been good. What about just going underdog QB on the road in a normally I would never target this spot, but sort of alongside your pick of of Washington to even cover. What about Sam Howell? He's he's covering his salary most weeks on the season. Yeah, I'm fine there. Again, it, there's just not that many great options. Um, I've got like this little sheet that I put together, and after I compile all my numbers, like it, it'll spit out like a, a number, basically a number. It just combine like where I'm, I see the projections for quarterbacks and wide just so I could like focus in on where I think the best game stacks are going to be, like for both sides. And it's like the lowest numbers I've ever seen <laughs> since I've been doing it. And this is like one of the like it's one of the higher games, but yet if it was a normal week in the past, like it would it would be an afterthought. So I mean, yeah, they're coming in at like I think the second or third best game on according to my list. So I got no problem with that. Um, it's just going to be, you know, typically when you see this, you're going to get a, a game that you, you just don't expect. It's going to be like the seventh best game on the board is going to be the. Yeah, it's gonna be the game that goes off, and it's just hard to predict it. It's kind of gross. The one good thing, I guess, about the Howell side is he's kind of easy to stack. I mean, between um, between yeah. McLaurin, Dotson, and and Logan Thomas, you're just picking two of those names, and and you're 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 tossing them in there with Howell or one or two of them, and and just kind of hoping that this is the QB that gets the 25 this week. Any quarterback can can most not any most quarterbacks have it in them to get you a 25 on any given Sunday. So. That, yeah, it's a weird one. Between Howell or Mac Jones, if if you're forced to choose from this game, which is the side that you take? You know, I, I'd actually lean a little Mac Jones. I, I, the matchup, I right? Yeah, yeah. At least it's a positive matchup for yeah. Mac Jones. Yeah, I, I think so too. Like, but Mac Jones, he's less likely to get there most weeks than what what Howell has been. But yeah, the matchup is better. For you, you know what's funny? It's like Mac Jones now. It was the talk of he was going to be benched, like they got to get rid of him, you know, all this stuff. And then you start seeing like the last couple of weeks, people picking him up in season long leagues. Like it's that's just amazing how things change so quickly. You know, my season long, I, I my season long strategy of loading up on on fields and and um, just basically like all injured quarterbacks. I, I just Richardson. have a, I, everything. All my season long teams just have QBs on the I'm in. I'm in um, 
I'm in uh, super flex leagues and both of the guys are down and I'm yeah, playing brutal. Tyson Badgett. You can't recover from that in super flex. Yeah, yeah. You just can't recover from all these uh, QB injuries. I got a um, shot in that. Hey, the NFFC, I got a shot at the 250 K. You see that my team just go, my team's going off. I'm in like, it, 40, I haven't opened it in weeks. I forgot I about like, it. I think I'm in like overall, like in 40th, 50th place or something like Get that. Out of, oh, now I have to open up that league. We're in a league together and play an FFC. And I, I, I realized like a couple days ago that I had forgotten about it. And I hadn't even looked at it in like since week three. I haven't changed the lineup. I have no idea, but I'm this assuming I'm doing terrible. Seslowski had a had a live stream when we were doing it. And then uh, I forgot about it. And I, and I went back after the draft and I looked at the live. And I just, my team was just getting ripped by these, by these guys. Because I, because I go, you know me, I go against the grain and I did something everyone else doesn't do, which is I went running back heavy and I went quarterback early and I went tight end. And then I left wide receivers. Everyone took wide receivers early. That's, you know, I mean, you know, season long better than anybody. Yeah. Like that's the strike, especially in that league. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to have a shot to win the whole thing, I got to do something different than everybody else. And it's, you know, so far it's worth, this is going to be a tough week though. I've got no McCaffrey this week. Um, I'm missing a, a few guys, but I also picked up Kyler Murray as a good backup to Hertz when uh, Hertz is out in week. There 10. we go. Well, yeah. yeah, let's get that. Um, you know, Kozlowski yeah. in his place too, especially if you're talking all that smack. So I need to go check out that league. Um, by the way, guys, if you uh, reminder, hit that like button. If you like this content, we're bets DFS. We're hanging out. We're having a good time. So hit that like button. Let let us know you're out there. And of course, um, if you're if you're interested in tailing John's plays, NFL, NBA, whatever it is, crushing it, professional better that is effectively tipping his bets and using elite tools to generate those plays and models. Listen, we also got the NHL just went live like two yeah. days ago on the Proptimizer. So if you're an NHL prop better, I've been following the saves props, like seeing because like we get a lot of shots on goals props and, and we're getting a lot of over. So I want to kind of see how that does. But the saves props have been phenomenal, like so far. Yeah, yeah, the goalie saves. So um we'll see if that continues. I've been monitoring it and seeing how it looks, but so far, so good. So I would I would be looking at those when you get yeah. the Proptimizer. One great thing about that that tool is you guys have no idea what, what's in store for the Proptimizer tool, how how we start something at a base level. It is going to continue to level up. We have just some some real tricks in store for that tool and, and continue to level up and all the information that it delivers. There will be no better place to go for to, to even research your props on your own or, of course, um, you can always tell the props that John and, and the rest of the team are putting out over there. DFSA 20 is the promo code. Sharp.app is the website to get signed up over there. Um, all right. So next up, this is a game I, I have some interest in from a DFS angle. And I'm curious to your take on the bets. But we got the Bears at the Saints. Uh, the Saints are eight and a half point home favorites in this one, taking on a Tyson Badgett led Bears offense, most likely um, in a game with a 41 point total. The Saints come in here with a 24 and three quarter point team projection, which is on the highest on the slate side. There's no higher one or they're they're tied effectively for the highest team total on the slate. So let's start with this Saints eight and a half point favorites at home. You know, team is fully healthy doing their thing. Bears coming in with the backup quarterback, haven't won a game. Um, is this is this a spot where do I need to tease this one down, John, or can I take the can I lay the eight and a half? I I mean, if you were going to take the Saints, you absolutely have to tease it. But I'll tell you, my play is on the dog. Oh I'm taking the Bears. Goodness. I love the Bears plus eight and a half. I love them plus eight and a half. Love it. 
Love this bet. I want to. Th- I, I, this was a, if I had a piece of paper in my hand, this was one of those. Tss, tss. <laughs> I love the bet. I love, I love the Bears plus the eight. Why? Yeah. So, I mean, this, this one, it, first of all, it's one of my system plays and it's, it's a model that I have that's, that picks very few games, but has been, uh, but has been really on point so far this year. Um, and so I, I really like that aspect of it. I think, listen, the Bears, I think the quarterbacks, the, the quarterback is fine. Like I know last week didn't exactly go the way uh, they wanted. We, we actually had the right side of that game um, last week, but I like, I, I think, I don't, I don't think the saints are good enough to just blow anyone out here. So I, I think this winds up being a tight game. I think you wind up winning both sides. I think the Bears, I think the saints win the game and it stays under seven. And uh, I think you can win this one on, on both the teaser and, and uh, the bear side. That's, that's wild. Um, yeah, I could say, I mean, like I said, I'm not going to question the model. And and for me, I I don't like the idea of laying the full eight and a half. So, so I think we're somewhat in agreement. My preference though will be, and I probably will end up teasing this one down under three to uh, minus two and a half and just finding a, a second spot to pair that up with. That's how I, I think I'm going to take it. I, I don't see the bears winning, but you're right. Tyson Badgett has not been terrible, not been very good, but he hasn't been complete. He hasn't he hasn't looked completely garbage and and there's a reason like I like the kid Tyson Badgett I was hoping would be that Cinderella story um you know really good in college but division two so like he you know he's kind of and beats out people to get the job and all that well unexpected so there's a little Cinderella going on right there as far as though DFS angles I very much like the Saints are going to be a team at that team total and by the way if the Bears are competitive this actually very much helps them so great. Um, but the Saints are a team uh, that you're going to want a lot of pieces of this week. I don't think I've ever recommended Derek Carr in in all of my years of DFS play. That's been a, a signature of mine. It's been a it's been a staple. Now, of course, he was on a different team, and there was all these other reasons. And if he's going to be the chalk this week, I'll probably get off of it. Also, like if he's going to go high owned, I'm probably not into that. But in general. This is a good spot for Derek Carr. I mean, as long as Taysom Hill isn't vulturing too many of the scores, um, you know, the team totals 25. Carr's been putting up, you know, 18 to 23, 24 fantasy points. I think he's averaging, let me pull up the average, but he's not averaging a terrible number. It hasn't been something that you're wanting to play on a, on a main slate because he's generally not going to go over 23 or 24 fantasy points either. But um, yeah, Derek Carr averaging... Let's see. Well, averaging on the season only 14.8, but he's coming off of a uh, 22 pointer, 21 the week before, 20 the week before that. So after a very poor fa- uh, fantasy start, he's got three games in a row where he hit 20. Is that enough at 5,700? Generally, no. But on this slate, with the lack of options, yes, it's acceptable. Like it's an acceptable score. Chris Olave, fine by me. Um, let's take a look at the. Uh, the statsational power ranking sheet here real quick. And, and um, I think we're going to see that there we go. Yeah. New Orleans is projecting for 270 passing yards in this game, which is good. 273, John, that's a good number. Um, So not much on the rushing yard side, I guess Chicago has been decent versus the run this year, which is really interesting because the chalkiest play on this entire slate, John, the highest owned player, is probably going to be Alvin Kamara. He's certainly the chalk at running back, and yet here we see. Well, here here's the interesting thing. So, like the yardage wise, Chicago's been pretty good, 
against the run, but they're giving up a ton of points. So they're giving yeah, up a lot of touchdown. rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So, but they're giving up the touchdowns there, but nonetheless, it is interesting. I think that touchdowns are much more, um, uh, high variance. I, I don't think that, um, that's as important of a stat as this number, which is the total yardage allowed. I think that's a more important stat and it's more predictive. And I think this is one of the reasons why I prefer the, your, the power ranking sheet and the approach that you use for that, which is really just, um, looking at yardage and averages, uh, and, and above or below averages rather than, looking at you know raw which team allows the most fantasy points to the position type numbers i i, I think it's worth noting that the saints uh, uh, that that chicago has been pretty good versus the run um let, let, let me just see what they're doing this has been helpful information all through the season because we've been able to sort of calm ourselves down a little bit against running backs uh on the season and here here we go for chicago so they're allowing 11 yards below mean expectation to opposing running backs on the season. Um, but at the same time, allowing almost 30 passing yards above average expectation to opposing passing. Game. So by nature, you would think that this would be the kind of a game where uh, the saints will be throwing a little bit more, which of course benefits their, their trio of pass catchers, Chris Olave. Um, I'm going to say, uh, Shahid is the other one that I'm interested in, and and uh, I'm probably not a Michael Thomas believer at, at this point in in the season. So, John, with the crazy system play of Chicago, probably going to cash it. So I, I will tail those sharp bets, even though um, you know it's a backup running back on the road, a uh, backup quarterback on the road, and all of that. I trust the play. Just FYI, the the sharp or money's coming. Sharp money's coming in on the over as well in this game. So kind of that one's interesting. Kind of backs you up on uh, maybe getting in involved uh, from fantasy's perspective. You have to. This is like I said. You'll see as we go through the rest of this. This is one of very few games that even carry any sort of um, high scoring value. And and again, if Tyson Badgen can keep it close, I think that only helps the Saints. And and for me, again, best bet side, I don't mind your plus eight and a half, but I would rather just tease this one down. I still think the the Saints win it. Okay, next up, Seahawks at the Ravens. The Ravens are five-and-a-half-point home favorites. Taking on a Seahawks team um, that is coming in at five-and-two. The game total here is 44 points. So this, I believe... Yeah, it's up there as one of the highest totals on the main slate. There's one other. Uh, actually, there's one game that uh, surpasses this one that I'm particularly excited about. But this is one of the higher totals on the main slate. Um, John, do you see an angle here for bets? Uh, five and a half? I don't like it. Uh, yeah, I just don't like the game. Um, Seattle's confused. Like Seattle's, I, I feel like Seattle's basically, if you look at the power rankings, they've just outperformed. Um, they're one of those teams. They're like Minnesota of last year. They're actually similar to Seattle of last year, where I, I thought their record was better than what they, um, the performance that at least the, the, the stats that they put up on the field. And we're seeing that again this year, they're the highest rated. I believe they're the highest rated team on there with an above 500 or the lowest rated team, I should say. Oh no, that, that would be uh, Pittsburgh actually. Um, but yeah, they're the, they're the worst five win team. Let's put it that way at 17th uh, or 18th on my, on my list. So yeah, I think they're an overrated team. Um, a lot of times, though, when you see that, and if you see it consistently with the same team, it's either the quarterback or the the coach 
or maybe a combination of two of, of the two. So, I mean, you got to give some credit here to Gino and, and, um, and, and to Carol, because it's not a coincidence on my sheet. If you see the same team overperforming for years, the, the New England Patriots were not the number one team, but they would always be the number one team in actual real football. And that was always a testament more, you know, to Brady. And you'd see it, I'd see it with the Colts. Like when you have that quarterback, I'm not saying Geno Smith is in that class, but if I keep seeing this, I'm like, maybe we got to bump him up a little bit. So when I look at, when you look at the projection uh, for this week, based on my, um, based on my, my power rankings, I mean, where do I have them this way? I would imagine Baltimore is, I'm trying to off the top of my head. Yeah. So I have like Baltimore as an eight point favorite, but then when you, Taking what I just said, you've kind of got to maybe bump a point, point and a half here for Seattle just for what they've done over the last two years. And then you kind of get right into that that spot where I think that this game should be. So long story short, I, I think the line is pretty accurate. I don't I don't like it one way or another. It's in that no man's land. This thing can move you know, pretty quickly down to three and a half or, or go all the way up to six and a half in a blink. Um, not seeing the the sharps really aren't on this game either. So, yeah, this is one that I'm just going to kind of stay away and, and watch. Yeah, I, I don't mind moving this game to two and a half and combining it with that Saints game as a little um, as a little sort of a mini mini uh, alt line parlay right there. You'll get plus money on that combination, and I, I don't mind um, that that approach here. I do think again, I, I do think Baltimore is going to win the game. They're they've got a good defense. They're at home, and um, you know these West Coast teams traveling the East and and against a tough defense. I, I don't think it's the best spot for Seattle to sort of pull off some crazy upset could be wrong, but that's how that's, that's how I would probably treat it. This game has interest from DFS angles, much more on the Baltimore side. I, I have a hard time playing a lot of pieces from Seattle. The best player on Seattle from a fantasy point of view is generally going to be um, Kenny Walker uh, at, at running back, but he is a yardage and touchdowns kind of a guy and he's not catching a ton of passes. And again, Baltimore's rush defense is very good. You could see here, Seattle's only projecting, for 89 rushing yards in this game, which is pretty bad. Uh, the the um, passing yardage projection is terrible. Seattle doesn't tend to give enough targets to any of their guys. They're all overpriced. Tyler Lockett is almost always the best wide receiver to play on Seattle just because when he does um, do what he does, I, I don't know, he just has a better connection with Geno. I've been saying this for a while compared to what Metcalf has, and I don't know why that is, but Metcalf just has not paid off against his salary I feel like for two seasons, but Metcalf to me is one of the most DraftKings overpriced players on the board this week and every week. So until that changes, I, I don't I don't see any reason to go there. But on the Baltimore side, Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, right back in the mix. Uh, Baltimore projects really well in terms of rushing yards, 125 rushing yards. Uh, last week, one of my one of my best plays. Obviously, I bet and gave out the bet. Uh, at in uh, in sharp as well. I bet Gus Edwards to score a touchdown. I had Gus Edwards to score two touchdowns plus five hundo. That was a nice one to cash. Didn't think of going with the plus to score three touchdowns, John. That's where I need you to whisper in my ear, Kev. If he's going to do two, you might as well throw a little something on three. Have a little fun. Get a little plus five k going. I, was that what it was? Did you did you look at it? I didn't look at it, but I I'm assuming that was like a plus four thousand or something insane. It had to be insane. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that would have been I, unbelievable. I need you whispering in my ear. Once you see the plus two touchdowns, you're like, why not go for three, bro? And I'm like, all right, 10 bucks on it. $400. I'll take that. Could have been, could have been, uh, could have been, um, could have been eating at, 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 uh, Outback this weekend. 
Uh, That's where I go to celebrate. I like to go to a nice steakhouse. You? I, I used to, I used to go to Sizzler, but they don't exist in uh, New York. You know, the closest Sizzler now to New York is in Orlando. <laughs> we've looked we've looked this up because like that was always my Why? joke, like hitting a big DFS. I'm like, oh man, I'm going to Sizzler. And then when I looked it up, I'm like, wow, the closest one to New York City is now in Orlando. We have a Red Lobster over here, which is basically I've never been Sizzler. to a Red Lobster. I haven't been there either, but I'm pretty sure that's like the same thing as a Sizzler. Like, I think they're sister restaurants. Uh, I don't know. I've never been in one. You know, Beefsteak Charlie, though, back in the day, that was the place. Do you remember? Did you remember? Yeah, Yeah, of course I know Beefsteak Charlie. I I don't know if that's a regional chain or if that was national. I don't remember. Yeah. It was unlimited shrimp. You know what? I got to tell you, just like as a kid growing up, my father was obsessed with the salad bar. Oh, love the salad bar. I hate the salad bar now. Like yeah, the, now. The, the the mere concept of a salad bar is so repulsive to me. But oh, my cool. dad, if if there was a restaurant that had a salad bar, that's where we were going. He was like, and he'd be in there cut chopping up his own salads and shit. I'm like, now I don't go near a salad bar. Dis- humans are disgusting. If you remember Roy Rogers, which yes. I guess they still have Roy Rogers around. They I still have that's this that's one of the salad bar. Yeah. Roy Rogers. Isn't even a salad bar, John. No, so that's what I was gonna say. So Top you would go bar. there. The old timers would love Roy Rogers because they'd have it was it was a fixin's bar. How do you okay. know? Get out of my head. Okay, yeah, well, is- on Flatbush Avenue, not Flatbush Avenue, on Flatlands Avenue, there was a there was a Roy Rogers in Canarsie, and you would go there, and the old timers would love it because you just get a burger, and then they have the bar. It's like a little lettuce and tomatoes and onions and everything. The pickles you, you too yourself, and then they would take the wrapper from the from the hamburger. And then they would make themselves a salad in the wrapper. So that would be like a little side dish to their hamburger. And they'd have, and, and cause they'd have, you know, you'd have some dressing in there. You'd have some whatever. And, uh, oh, the old, the old timers love that. They would go in there to get coffee and then, and then hit the fixings bar. If you can only imagine, guys, how gross the Roy Rogers is in Canarsie, like that is one of the grossest places in America, just in general. So now you add in like the humans from Canarsie all going into this disgusting fast food and, restaurant and making their and fixings. handling, handling and standing over the fixings bar, handling the food. It's the best. <laughs> okay. Lick fingering everything. Oh, yeah. Listen, I love the, and I love like going, there was a sizzler in the junction on Flatbush Avenue that we used to go to. And they had that, you know, we had the 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 uh, the salad bar, and man, I could live off the vanilla pudding in there. But God knows what was in that vanilla pudding. The nineties, oh, man, the eighties and the nineties were a chaotic time. People touching your food. There was no food safety. We'd get sick. We didn't know why. You go home that night. You know, you got like stomach problem. You're like, oh, I don't know. Made you stronger. Yeah, I know. Made you stronger. Some disgusting people touching that food, man. The Roy Roger, I can't believe you brought it up because we, and the pickles. My dad would have a pile of pickles. One of the wrappers would just be pickles. Okay, <laughs> the other one would just be, and he'd chopping it up. It's not like the tomatoes are whole and wrapped. He'd be chopping it up like I wrote a salad over here. You know, I once almost died at a Roy Rogers. From the, from not from the food. No, I, no, I was choking. Roy Rogers had fried chicken. Yes, they did. They don't have it now, but they used to have full on the bone fried chicken. And I was choking on a piece of chicken, not a bone, a meat, the meat of the chicken. And I'm sitting there and I'm going like, 
and I'm choking. I was a little kid, maybe, maybe uh, 11 years old. And um, my brother and my father are sitting across from me looking at me and I'm going and they're like, what's the matter? And they're just like yelling. Right. And I'm like, you know, making the face of choking and they're not, they're not accepting what's going on. <laughs> they're like, what, what, you know, that's yelling shit. Eventually I just coughed it out. My whole face turned red. All my, all my blood capsule exploded. My eyes were red. It was crazy. Yeah. It was so good. You just couldn't get it down fast enough. It was good. Yeah. It, and in fairness, I was like, I was wolfing it down. I love yeah. that fried chicken. Yeah. I still go back for that fried chicken. Like that memory didn't, that didn't, that didn't scar me from Roy's. Yeah. Definitely. I'm more I'm more disgusted by the by the um by the 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 fixins bar the fixins bar man the fixins bar. um all right I don't even what game are we talking about I lost my whole thing here um all right let's move on John. we talked about the Seahawks Ravens. Ravens yeah yeah I like the pieces on the Ravens reminder um Gus Edwards last week I think Gus Edwards is playable here although uh, I'm not like a play Gus Edwards after the price comes up kind of guy. But I will say this, he's getting like 75, 80% of the touches. He is now the lead back for the Ravens. So do with that information what you will. But I think Gus Edwards is an actual playable running back once again this week. We had him last week in DFS as well. And everybody who played him won tournaments. So uh, I, I was really glad with that call. And hopefully um, maybe we could see it again based on these numbers. Um, all right. Bucks at the Texans. The Texans come in as two and a half point home favorites in this one. Game total, a pretty gross 40 points. Uh, both teams seem to be pretty much in full health. The one uh, interesting note here is that the Texans seem to have shifted off of Pierce and onto, I don't, I'm not going to say shifted. There's no clear lead back for the Texans at this point. Singletary and Pierce seem to be sort of splitting work. It's pretty gross. As far as that goes, and the Bucs aren't a kind of team you really want to rush against anyway. They're, they've been pretty good against the run. So um, Texans, two and a half point home favorites. You, you like that spot, John? Yeah, the Sharps do. Um, okay. I'm kind of up in the air with it, but if I had to lean one side or the other, it, it would be Houston as well. I mean, I just think they're the better team, um, and they're basically pricing this one as if they were – both of these teams are equal. I think you, I think you do get a little bit of an edge with Houston. Um, I, it, it's not enough of an edge for me yet to, to really place a bet. I'm going to have to see maybe if, you know, if something else pops up here, if I see something on the sharp report, which on the sharp report, they did hit this at minus, uh, minus one and a half. But if they come in maybe with even, you know, if the sharps keep coming in with more money at two, two and a half, maybe, maybe I'll take a yeah. shot here, but, John, um, what you're referring to in the sharp report, of course, I'll just remind um, the sharps, we, we have actual, let's call it connections at sports books that tell us who their sharp players are betting. They know, and they track their sharpest betters and they, they give us that info and when they're hitting it. So that's one of the, um, really cool features that we have at sharp app, just that, that report. And it, it's, it's effectively information that's available nowhere else. Well, so, you know, there's this, there's this like conception that the sports books are like know all, but they don't like, they're very smart. But they rely on their really sharpest customers too to get information. Yeah. So, so they're going to move lines based on where they're sharp. So they track the the prop. They don't. You, you have unfortunately some of the um, some of the legal books in the in the U.S. Some more than others will limit the their sharpest betters. But a lot of especially the offshore ones that are actually bigger, they they welcome some of the sharp bets because that 
gets their you know it, it fine tunes their line and what you get some some of the uh the books in the u.s do is really just kind of mimic what some of the sharp off, uh, offshore books do so, it's, a, it's a it's a complicated game it's I'll, interesting but i'll, that's, I'll that's, do it in a less pc way sharp market to be able to tell you where the price should be I'll, I'll explain that in a less pc way right so if you're a u.s book more often than not what they do is if they discover that you're a sharp better their primary goal is to stop allowing you to bet on their on their platform. They don't like you to win, right? They don't like people who win a lot, so they'll stop you. Um, some of the offshore books, what they do is they allow sharp bettors on their platform because they're using those bets to adjust their lines. That's sort of more of an old-fashioned bookmaker thing from back in the day where they'd have the sharps coming in. They would set the line. They didn't mind it because once that line, they were helping them move to the correct place. Right. So that's sort of the old fashioned, um, let's say, I don't want to say old fashioned, but sort of the old school way of handicapping was part of it was just like you knew this, this, this group of betters that were really sharp at the sport. And when they're placing a bet, you let them place it, but then you move your line so that, you know, OK, this is where they stopped betting. So this is the correct line or or it should be. So they identify those kind of people, whereas I said a lot, I'm not going to name names, but a lot of the sports books um, that are onshore will just limit you and they don't want those sharp better. They don't, they feel that they're going to sharpen their lines following those overseas books, let them take the hit and we'll just follow what they're doing. So uh, a little bit different there. That is a little sort of backwater, sort of the dirty world of, of sports betting uh, type stuff. But um, where were we? Yeah. Tampa, so yeah. Tampa Bucks, Houston. So, so some of the sharps were on Houston at minus one and a half. Yes. Yeah, there we go. And so it's now it's moved to minus two and a half, which is probably still within that key number. You know, if this was a road game, I, I really think these are similar teams. One thing about CJ Stroud is he's regressed just a little bit um, the last probably four or five weeks um, after that first couple of weeks of the season where he was throwing nonstop. And it was awesome. And I, I was really hoping they would keep doing that. Now, we've seen, uh, you know, in, in four of the last five weeks, Stroud has not thrown for more than 30 targets. And um, there was one 35er in the mix there. But for the most part, you know, the passing volume has been down, which has affected what was a really early season hot start for the combination of uh, Collins and Tank Dell. So the question, can we get a bounce back week here? There's a couple things that point towards yes. Um, one being, that the Titans are uh, not the Titans. I'm sorry. The the uh, the Bucks are quite good against the run on the season. It's really difficult to sort of come in with a game plan, a run heavy game plan against the the Bucks. So you're probably likely to see an increase in passing volume if we look at your uh, power ranking sheet for this particular game. It does have Houston thrown for 266 yards, which is a good number, and it, it has the rushing numbers very. Oh, I'm has the rushing numbers very muted relative to this nice um, passing yardage number. So, yeah, I think, you know, again, on a week where the options are super limited, Nico Collins, Tank Dell, CJ Stroud, all reasonable plays. It, it's a little tougher for me to get to the Tampa offense here. Um, again, you see that Houston's been pretty good against the run. Uh, Tampa has been very bad at running the football. So, but Rashad White, unfortunately, because of the lack of options, is one of those names that you kind of have to account for this week in DFS and fine. He's a starting running back, 75% workload, whatever. You always want to play those kind of guys, I guess. 
Um, but the, the spot that stands out maybe is Houston passing offense. So, of course, if you're playing Stroud, you must have him with two of these guys between uh, the tight end and um, Collins and Dell. On the Tampa side, I, I'm going to have a hard time getting to uh, 7K Godwin or 7K Mike Evans very frequently, but both of those guys are probably somebody that I guess would be in the mix, especially around a, a game stack built around this game. But I think both of the pass catchers for Tampa are priced a little bit above where I'm coming. Basically, you need a 30 score out of either guy to get there. I think one might get there. Like we've seen Evans get there this season with a 30 type score, but it's asking a lot. It's asking a lot. Um, all right. Moving on. Four o'clock games. First one here, Colts at the Panthers. The Colts are two and a half point road favorites in this one, taking on a one and six Panthers team um, that uh, comes with a 44 point game total. I don't know what to say about the Panthers. Um, Adam Thielen is now priced alongside all the other studs, John. Uh, it's, you know, it's a pretty big ask there. It looks like Miles Sanders has lost his starting job or or somewhat lost his starting gig to Chuba Hubbard, but that's not for sure. It could have been just a, an anomaly last week where, where uh, Hubbard got so much more of the work. Maybe Sanders coming off injury wasn't fully healthy, or maybe they're like, Sanders, you suck. We're going to play. I don't know. I don't know. Colt side. This game, if you look at the uh, at the power ranking sheet, the Colts side looks like a run game smash where you've got the Colts projected for 163 yards on the ground, and that's not coming from the quarterback running the football, right? That's coming from those running backs. So, you know, Jonathan Taylor is going to be popular. He's still not getting much more than a 50% carry uh, opportunity share. He didn't get that last week. We all keep expecting this increase to 60, 65% to happen. John, is it happening this week? I don't know what to say. Like we're, we're waiting for it. Uh, yeah, I, I think you get it here. I mean, this is going to be a really good matchup uh, running the ball against this guy. I think I, I haven't heard a lot about it. Like Carolina, like run, use running backs against Carolina. I haven't heard that narrative all that much, but they have been pathetic. Um, against running now they're, they're down in a lot of games and that you know you've got that whole narrative where teams are kind of pounding their arm but they're still not they they have not been uh they have not been good from a yardage standpoint they've been one of the worst teams in the league i think they might be the worst uh they're up there with denver like as one of the worst teams in the league as far as giving up points to you, the running back position. you know what's more extreme on carolina and this is what shocked me when i was doing the breakdowns this week they are the number one team, and I, I think this is a factor of their poor rush defense. They are the number one team in the league at at, at limiting opposing pass catchers in terms of yardage allowed. They're they're allowing sixty six fewer yards per game below expectation to opposing wide receivers. That is these. I mean, it's right there with Cleveland at the top of the league. Yeah, they're up there, and they're like top five when it comes to points against the wide receivers. So. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a combination of the fact that they've been down so much in games, teams throw a little bit less on them, but even with that, you could look at some really bad teams and they've got, you know, really bad numbers, um, you know, against, against the pass, like a team, like, uh, you know, I'm just looking quick, ah, 
Yeah, you know what? A lot of the, a lot of the teams that have been bad against the uh, pass have been some of the the worst team. But Washington's, for example, is the team that's the worst against the wide receiver. They're the worst this year against wide receivers in fantasy points. Um, you know, uh, but yeah. So I think it's I I don't think it's known. I think it's just kind of a sneaky little play. And I think if you do get Taylor, um, the with the usage that we're used to him having, I think this could be an absolute monster game. <clears throat> it's it's weird that the projections on the passing are so low, but the point projection is so is so high. So uh, that is weird. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I'm looking at that play. again. That is kind of weird here. Um, you've got yeah. the, you've got this game going twenty six to twenty five, very high scoring game, and and all of that, but without much offense generating that score. I don't know how the math. Uh, made that happen but it's, you know you know it's bad turnovers it's field position you know it's it's based on what they've done so far this year and um again carolina has given up a lot of points this year without giving up a lot of yards to to wide receivers and or just passing yards in general so um there's no reason to expect that there won't be points scored in this game now you look at the total i mean it got up to 45 and a half and it's come it's come down lower uh, i haven't seen anything as far as the sharp money at all on that on that, um, the unders getting hit with the money. I kind of like the over in this game myself. Um, and if I had a lean, um, I, I mean, I would really just take this is another one of those Wong teaser type of bets, two and a half. You kind of bump it up to the eight and a half, and I think you take your chances um, with a tight with a tight game. But I don't like it from the bet. I think the one side I do like a little bit is the over. Interesting, forty four. Yeah, it's it's a big total. If this game goes over, you would expect that there'd be some um, DFS plays popping. Um, again, with the Panthers, it's really tough at this point to play their running backs. I mean, Chuba Hubbard, I guess, if you if you if you got to do it, it seems like he took over the starting role. But, it, but that could shift back this week. Don't know. Um, Adam Thielen has been the guy in the passing game, but he's priced up almost the same as A.J. Brown at this point. And I'm just going to play A.J. Brown or or C.D. Lamb when I'm paying up. I, I don't think I'm going to get to Thielen at that price. So it, it's tough. The Colts side is more interesting for me. Um, Jonathan Taylor, of course, stands out. I don't think I'm going to do Zach Moss because he's priced almost the same as Jonathan Taylor. And and they might end up with exactly the same amount of work. Or Taylor will end up with 65% of the work. I don't see a scenario where Moss ends up with 60 or 70. So I'm just going to go with Taylor there. But again, there's a little hopium that we have to smoke that says, oh, this is the week that they increase his workload. It's not clear. We haven't seen it yet. Um, I also think the pass catchers for the Colts are playable, even though the Panthers have been very good against the pass. I think a lot of the reason for that has been just low scoring, random low scoring games. I think a lot of that, like if you look at their game last week, it was just a low scoring game. And it's like a lot of their games just are kind of low scoring and, and crappy. So that, that sort of just limits offense in general against them. Um, Minshew did it against the Browns. So I feel like he could do it against the Panthers too. Um, and, and the guys that you want to mix in with, with them, I, I don't touch the tight ends for the Colts. There's too many of them. So it's just downs and, and, and Pittman, Pittman, a little expensive downs priced up now as well, but it's just those two guys, um, just mixing them in. I don't love it. I like Jonathan Taylor, uh, on that side, the best. And I'm really, like I said, for a 44 pointer, I don't have a lot of DFS interest in that game outside of Jonathan Taylor. Um, all right, John, next up, we got the Giants on the road taking on the Raiders. It <laughs> This is a tough one, too. And I need you to interpret this for me. I think I, they're saying now uh, Danny Jones is practicing. He's been cleared for contact. Maybe he's going to play this week. Um, I think that's good if he plays. Obviously, Tommy DeVito was not going to be the answer 
at quarterback. They were too scared to let him throw the football at all last week, which means, man, I don't know. He's just a body out there. It's just hand. I could do that. I could hand off. I could be. Can you see me at the helm for the Giants? Just hand it off the football. I could do it. I mean, you'd be up to like the belt buckle of. Uh... I can hand. I can. I can hand somebody a football. I'm fine with that. Hand it to them like this. Yeah, I'd be standing under center, like with a with a tochus in my face. Like I yeah, wouldn't even. You'd have, you'd have nose nose right in the the center. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd be. <laughs> Like yeah, but I feel like I could do that. Um, Giants at the Ra- uh, Giants at the Raiders. So uh, Giants probably going to get their starting quarterback back, and the Raiders have now benched Jimmy Garoppolo. Fighting. All right, I-, I have an angle here that I want to discuss. Normally, when a team fires the coach and the GM, the players rally. They fucking hated that guy, right? They hated Josh McDaniels. I don't know about the GM, but they actively hated Josh McDaniels, as everybody does who knows Josh McDaniels. Apparently, he's an asshole. Right. So usually the team rallies in that spot and wins the next game. I was ready to empty my bank account on the Raiders this week, John. I was ready to empty it. I I called my wife, get the mortgage money. Don't send it yet. Let's cover this week and next, this month and next month. We're going to cover it all in this one play. That's how confident I was. But then they go and name Alexander Ocasio um, O'Connell. As the quarter, as the starting quarterback, and they benched Jimmy G. I get it; he sucked last week, but he was also coming off injury. Whatevs, right? Now, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I don't trust this rookie, terrible quarterback. I don't trust Danny Dimes with the fucked up neck. I don't know what to do here. Yeah, this I'm- is coming from up. I would assume this is coming from up top. This is coming from. Uh- from Mark Davis. It's Mark Davis, right? Mark Al Davis's son. Did you hear is this a true story? Wait a second. I need to talk about this. I heard all right. I don't know if this is a true story. Oh, the Halloween thing? Yeah, that he that that Mark Davis that that um McDaniels dressed up as Mark Davis for Halloween. I this this sounds like almost like an onion story. It, and it, I read it too, and I would not be shocked if it was true. You think because, it's real? I yeah, thought I was I almost reading like a the onion spoof. It could have been a spoof, but I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, it was just an odd – it really is an odd time to just – like, there was no talk. I didn't hear rumblings that he was going to be fired. No, I did. Oh, the – I never thought he should be – listen, we complained. I complained about this guy. Like, I said it before. I'm like, what has this guy ever done without Tom Brady? And now he gets a second shot. Like, there's so many guys looking to get their first shot. Like, you hired this – like, he went to to Denver. It was terrible. They bring him back. Like, what did he do in New England? Like, that New England offense was awful. Like this is a theme. This is a theme that happens again and again and again with offensive coordinators that uh, Peyton Manning had that clown offensive coordinator with him for all those years. I can't, I, I, you know what? I've erased his name from my memory. He gets hired by the jets as the head coach. And everybody's like, what the fuck is this guy? Right. He's like a, he's like a knucklehead. And, and um, Nathaniel Hackett, I mean, these offensive coordinators that make their bones off of, uh, you know, elite quarterbacks that actually don't even listen to their offensive coordinators because they're effectively their own offensive coordinator, be that Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning was known for that. You don't want that guy as your head coach. You want the guy who made Geno Smith look good. You want the guy that made, uh, you know, some mediocre quarterback deliver above, uh, you know, expectations. 
not the player that went with Peyton, not, not the coordinator that goes with Peyton. But anyway, so John, normally when that happens, I like to target that team to win that week. The team is inspired. I don't know about this AOC character, but beyond that, I do think this should be a Raiders spot. I just don't know if they're going to pull it off with the backup, with the quarterback that they're choosing to throw out there. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I'm kind of shying away from, from this game. Um, you know, from, uh, from the side, at least the, the under, I think pretty much in play though. I think even with Daniel Jones back, I think these are two of the worst offenses in the league. We've seen AOC in there has not been able to perform really well. So I think I like the under and the under's gotten smacked. I mean, 39 and a half is where the sharps hit this. And I mean, you know, you could get it. It's all the way down to 37 in some books. So um, I don't know if there's a ton of value there anymore. I'd love to get like 38. If you can get 38, I think you still take the under. Like 37 is going to be a little tricky for me to, to ever want to get there, but I think you can still hit this on there. They're just two of the worst. They're two of the worst offenses in fantasy, two of the worst offenses in real life. Um, I don't I don't trust uh I don't trust a lot of scoring in this game. Look at the um there is one spot that stands out on the power rankings for this game, and I, I agree with that spot. Um, so the Giants are projected to throw for 136 yards. That might be the lowest number that the power rankings has ever spit out for a passing offense. And you know what? Um, I, 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 yeah. Who are they throwing to? Right? Who's who's even catching a pass? And but the one spot that does pop is Giants rushing yards 143. And I do think that is the spot that's of interest in this game. Um, I like it more now that. Um, you know, Daniel Jones is in the game in terms of like he might rush for a little bit. But in general, Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley has not been a player that produces at a level commensurate with an 8K salary level. He hasn't had like the 36 point games in his career. He's not that guy. So he doesn't generally even come close to a 4X. But on this slate, when Alvin Kamara is the same price and supreme chalk, in a what is effectively not a good matchup for running backs versus Saquon Barkley at no ownership or low ownership, probably facing uh, a Raiders team that hasn't been able to stop the run all season. I think Saquon Barkley is an acceptable uh, leverage pivot off of Kamara. Lineup looks the same. You just switch the guy and if you can outscore Kamara, he's helping you win tournaments this week. So, I don't love him as a as a sort of elite play. I like him as a alternative play to Kamara. I guess you could play him together. But I don't think that will be something that a lot of people do. I don't trust Waller to stay healthy a full game. So that's about it. That's about it for, for this one. It's Saquon Barkley. Josh Jacobs also is going to be somebody who has ownership. But I would caution that. He's been terrible. He continues to just be terrible all year. It could get better. But, uh, you know, the great thing about Josh Jacobs is he gets all of the run at, at running back for this team, but they just haven't been good. We saw like them breathe some signs of life into him last week, just focusing uh, Jacobs for a, a, uh, a series or two, but then they get away from it again. So it, I don't know. The I don't line, know. Maybe... The offensive line so bad. That's that's a big part of the problem. But again, maybe Josh McDaniels departure. Everybody plays better. Well, you know where you would you would see it in the run game, like because that's where, you know, it's hard. Like you get up for pat, like passing is very precision, and and it, like run game is all about heart and effort, and let's go smash the shit out of somebody. So maybe that is where you see it. That we might just see 
a wholesale shift. You almost have to throw away the numbers. And maybe that get maybe that gets me more interested in Josh Jacobs than I was. He's priced well. And you know, he's been terrible all year. But but again, the team, I, I, I say this every time this happens, and then it comes true. The team hates the coach. They feel that they want to reward ownership and thank them for finally effectively listening to their complaints. You know, let's say, let me, let me, let me just psychology. NFL psychology is really important. So you're at a job, right? And everybody hates the manager. He's a dick. He's a douche. She's a bitch, right? Whoever the manager is, no one likes them. They take credit for your work. They never say thank you. They give you a hard time when you show up two seconds late. You got your PTO, right? What are normal people who work a job? They got like a PTO and, you know, the manager disapproves it just because they're an asshole. Think about how much you might hate your manager. Now the owner comes in and says, you complain to the owner. Then one day he's like, you know what, employees? Here's a gift. They're fired. Like he gets fired. And all you and you want to say thank you, right? Thank you for listening to us. And so you come in and you're like working, you're motivated again. You were been that manager had beaten you down to the point where you just didn't even want to come in anymore. You're just fucking calling it in. You're half-assing your job, right? They get rid of that guy, and you're like, yeah, and everybody comes in motivated again. And then, you know, three, four weeks pass, and you go back to your old pattern. But for the first month or two, you know, there's this sort of elation. I think that happens when a football team fires a coach, especially one that the players hate. So I think we get that bounce. And maybe that leads to a great game from Josh Jacobs, um, like a different game. I think it's I, I think it's within the realm of shit that could happen on a crazy ass week. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think that would be the guy in that scenario that would get the bomb. Yeah. See, I hadn't really thought of it that way. It's nice to talk it out on one of these because I hadn't really kind of I, I the fact that the motivation component really might help the running game above all else. But again, they're still rolling out AOC, which is a you know a, a big mystery. Let's put it that way. All right, last game on the slate and best game. We save the best for last. Cowboys heading east to take on the Eagles. The Eagles are three-point home favorites in a game with a 47-point total. Right off the bat, John, three points for the Eagles. Is there a side here? Kind of, I, I, you know, I'm a Cowboys guy, but my lean would be Philly on this game. I, I think... Um, and, you know, the suckers like this one, too. The suckers like Philly, the square public. But I, I would lean towards the Philly side. I think they're the better team, better quarterback. Um, they're basically pricing this one. That's Philly's only slightly better than Dallas. I think they're a little bit more than slightly better than than Dallas. Again, I always go back. It's about two points is the home field advantage. So, you know, as a three-point favorite, they're saying they're only one point. I think they're better than, than a one-point. Uh, that that, Dallas, team, one point over that Dallas team just plays better at home, though. They play better at home. They also just historically seem like a team that doesn't get like they don't win the big games. They don't win a lot of you know. And this is a, listen. This is a huge game right here. I mean, Philly just basically takes control of that division and it's over with the win here. Dallas wins that division. Uh, Dallas wins that game, and and you know there's still chance that that you know you've got division toss. You've got uh, I mean shit. You can you could be the the uh, the number one seed at. at you know, the way this, things are going it, with San if, Francisco on this losing streak. I mean, anything could happen right now. So this is a huge game in the NFC. If um, if Dallas loses this game, they're effectively, not not definite, 
but effectively probably not going to win the division. Like this is, this is a game that's going to be very important. It's not, it's not an end all be all. It could still, they could still catch up, but this is going to really harm their chances of winning this division because even if they catch up. Yeah. It's the difference between six and two and, you know, when a half game back or, you know, five and three and you're, you're two and a half games back and you're not, you're not catching that in the second, you know, and you're also just, now you're just fighting to make the playoffs. Um, yeah. you know, to take the L to the divisional leader, meaning um, you, you're probably losing tiebreakers. So it, it's it's an important game for Dallas to try to win, which they usually lose those, as you said. Um, so there's that. Um, let's let's just pop on the projections here for this game. I think it's important. Um, Dallas has been terrible at running the football this year. Um, 77 yard rushing projection. If you look at FanDuel, not DraftKings. FanDuel has priced Tony Pollard down at this point with like the, the Devin Singletary's. They are now treating him like a turd, like a like a crappy running back, which is just crazy. Part of, part of that number, though, is really Philly probably makes up more of that number than any. Philly's been very good against the run. Uh, Philly, no, but also Dallas has been bad at running. Dallas has not been good. Yeah. But Philly's a good team against running backs. Yeah, let me uh, let me pull up that number here. They'd be right all the way. Uh, Philly, you don't have them. You know what's interesting? And looking at your power rankings, just in general, is that the Eagles are are ninth or eighth. Yeah, because you know it's basically yeah. two games against Washington that they could have lost both. Like they're not really blowing teams out, and that's hurting them in the rank. But you know, if they keep winning, that you know they win this game this weekend, they'll probably move up in the top five. They just, I know it's unusual. I, I've caught some some shit from Philly fans who are who were hitting me up. We, uh, I mean, know, we have a big Philly contingent in the sharp app, and they Philly were not happy about this. You know, so they're not happy, but I'm like, hey, look, you just got to win the games on the field. I'm just I'm just spitting out what the numbers are telling, <laughs> telling us here. And so they don't have like that big dominant win like a lot of these other teams have, which is kind of keeping them down a little bit. Um, but hey, a win's a win. So my rankings don't don't matter in the uh, in the NFL. But if you're looking at it from a statistical, you know, pure stats level, they're not, they haven't been that great as far as you know crushing teams. They're not dominating in their wins. They've been winning close games. Yeah, that's affected the fantasy production as well. We we haven't seen the the blowout like thirty where where Hertz goes crazy and just like puts up 35, 40 fantasy points and they just pour the the scoring on an opposing team. The Eagles just haven't done that this year. Uh, if you take a look here, you could see that um, the Eagles are allowing thirty one point six yards below mean expectation to opposing running backs, which is second in the league only to uh, Jacksonville, who knew, uh, who is leading the league uh, at limiting opposing running backs. Who the hell knew? Um, Dallas, though, also really good, um, particularly against the pass on the season. So they're uh, limiting opposing passing offenses to 28 yards below average, where their uh, rushing defense is pretty average for Dallas, which is different um, historically from what it had been. But I think these are noteworthy things for this particular uh, game. Still, the Eagles project decent in terms of rushing yards. But this is just kind of like an average game for them uh, in terms of rushing yards, 128 rushing yards, not the greatest passing yards projected. To be quite honest, this game doesn't project as if it's going to explode from a fantasy points perspective. But I think there's an angle where it does. And that angle is, you know what? Throw away defensive metrics and all of that. These are two good teams that have good enough offenses to score quickly. If they're clicking on offense, the game will quickly sort of pop 
and get out of hand. I could see it playing to the over, no problem. I just see it going a lot of ways. But one of those ways is the whole game plays to the over. And um, Eagles are scoring and Dallas is answering. In in that scenario, C.D. Lamb is going off. Uh, in that scenario, you know, A.J. Brown is probably doing really well or, or Dallas Goddard, one of those guys. So so these offenses have, have a great chance of kind of having an explosive game on a slate where there aren't too many games with a path to that. But there's also a secondary scenario where it goes NFC East rivalry, low scoring, defense is doing a lot of the work, kickers in the game, kicking field goals a lot, and it just disappoints from a fantasy angle. So I don't know how you see it going down, John, but I see it like kind of, this could go a lot of different ways, but I'm going to account for it, but I can't feel confident in uh, loading up on this game. I, you know, yeah, you can't, I don't think you can feel confident on any of these games, but this is probably my favorite game. I, I think, you know, I think we'll get some points here. I think, I think DFS, I'm actually projecting the Dallas side to do better on, on DFS. So could be, um, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that. Uh, Hurt, listen, Hertz is, Hertz gives you that high floor. I mean, he, we, and especially now with this whole, the tush push or whatever the hell they want to call it, the, 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 his floor now has just risen because they, I mean, if they get it inside the two yard line, they're just going to give it to him. And the, and he's the fact that you have a quarterback who is effectively acting as the goal line running back for his team, that is huge from a fantasy production standpoint. You, you know, he's just getting rushing touchdowns that other quarterbacks aren't getting. And that just adds to that that uh, minimum projection. Uh, I think you're right too. Dak is going to be super popular on the slate. Dak is not generally a good DFS play, not typically. But if you take a look again, there are statistics pointing to why he is playable. And one of the big ones being just it's hard. They, Dallas has not had a lot of success rushing the football. So in the past, the reason that da that Dak sort of his fantasy production went down was because Dallas was such a run-focused team, especially with Zeke and Pollard last year and, and in the last few years where they were sort of doing that. And Look at what opposing quarterbacks have done against Philly. Like, you could score on them. I mean, Sam Howell broke the slate last week yeah. against Philly, and so you got to go back to Dak here. Dak to CeeDee Lamb, um, <laughs> as crazy you know as it is to, again, be interested. And I was not, I listen, Mia Culpa, I was not on Dak Prescott last week. I you know, had a little bit, but he was going to be the chalk. And I said, you know, what? I'm not I'm not playing chalk Dak, right? Because he hasn't been good for a long time. He had a good game. CD Lamb went nuts. They changed what they do to Lamb. And all of a sudden they started targeting him heavily, which they should have been doing really all season. I don't know why they don't do that. And CD Lamb delivered 12, 14 targets, 12 receptions. Throw it to him. He's open. They're, they're going to throw the ball. The, these numbers, they're going to beat these projections. Um, it's just a matter of when. And I think Philly's going to be able to score some points too. So um, I, I still like Philly in the game. But I think Dow, you're taking basically taking a team in Philly that is just really, really good against running backs, really good in shutting the run down against a team that really hasn't run the ball all that well. But Philly will give it up in the air. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, you can target them against Philly. Um I think it's I think it's a very easy way to play this game. Uh, is, is the Dallas wide like? I get it. You know, hurts you're gonna always have to pay up for, but you can easily game stack this one, um, and and then try with how poor the rest of the slate is. There's gonna be some cheap options to mix in, 
and uh, and and take some of the more expensive pieces in this game. I think going to be very. Um, you can combine AJ Brown and CD Lamb in the same game in the same lineup, but only if you're you take Dak and you don't play Kamara. So so there's a couple of things. There there are not like a plethora of. Yeah, um, but we talked about why yeah. you know there's a possibility. You know, you could get off of Kamara. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could definitely yeah. get off of Kamara. So. Yeah. Yeah. So th that's what I'm saying. Like, you could do it, but you have to be willing to sacrifice elsewhere. I love it. I think this game is going to be the fun one to watch. Uh, I, I think, you know, for the afternoon slate, that's what you're, you, you've you got on the big screen in the, um, in the, uh, you know, in the, in the man cave, so to speak. That's the one that's going on the, with the volume on. It's not Giants no. Vegas. No. No. I had people calling me from the Giants game last week. That were there just like dude this is this is the worst thing i've ever seen in my like it was the jets giants and people who they were like why am i here this is miserable it'd be a lot of giant fans i know i know some guys who went out you know because it's like all right vegas we're gonna do the giant game but uh yeah i don't think the game the game won't be that good but vegas no, that's a gross one so anyway yeah i really like that game and i i think the DAC side of it is very very much uh in play i don't even mind the secondary pass catching options for the Cowboys, including, you know, Brandon Cooks. Uh, okay. Got a little, got a little, got a little life in him last week. Uh, the, the, uh, Ferguson, the tight end. Sure. Why not? Goddard really easy on a bring back. I, I really like Goddard. So there's a lot of different ways to go uh, building around this game and both sides of it. Of course, AJ Brown has been in fuego all season as well. So there, there's a, uh, there's a lot to like here and this will be the game of the week. I'm not going to give it a boner alert. It's not that. It's just like, oh, the best one of a gross slate. So I'm not going to go that far. It's like, I'm not going to say, it. you know, what? I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay away from saying something uh, inappropriate and and we'll we'll let it go there. And uh, so I just want to remind everybody that does it for the NFL week nine main slate of action. Um, I'm going to remind you, if you want to get signed up at the FS Army, now is about, we are crushing NBA to start the season as well. Of course, we've had an incredible NFL season last week. If you were with the FS Army, where else did you hear play Levis to um, DeAndre Hopkins except from Bobby Wow, who is like the the uh, the guru of just picking incredible NFL plays that hit? I laughed at Bobby Wow. I had to wear a turd hat punishment on Monday because of my my shame for not believing in the Levis to Hopkins play that Bobby Wow was talking up. Where else are you going to get that? Where else are you going to get that? But NBA has started incredible. The, the projection system seems to be just super on point to start the season. I hope it keeps going. Click button, print cash. So if you want to get signed up at DFS Army, now's a great time. Promo code DFSA, or actually co promo code NBA23 gets you 23% off any package. That includes the NBA. That's core four. That's light. That's VIP. That's NBA only. That's ending on Sunday. So make sure if you're thinking about getting signed up, you do it now. And of course, Sharp App. You want, if you like betting and winning, um, it, we have incredible tools at the Sharp App: the Proptimizer tool, the Sharp Report. More tools coming every day. You guys have no idea what's in the works. So, and and one of the things we do with Sharp, just like with DFS Army, when you're locked in a, a price, even though that price for that subscription goes up, your price never goes up. You want to be in early. Because Sharp App's subscription level and, and the offerings will only increase with time, just like it has with DFS Army. We have people in a DFS Army at 39 a month, at 29 a month, at 49 a month, and now it's 79. And going more. The more you add, 
The more you got to charge, that's just how it is. More stuff, more data, more tools, more, more sports, more everything. So you want to get signed up at Sharp. There is a link in the description below. Code DFSA20 knocks 20% off. That's That takes it from $49.99 to $39.99 a month. You will, to follow, I don't have to say more. John shares it, tips his bets. It's $39.99 a month. If you bet on sports, just that alone is more than enough reason to get signed up at Sharp. There's a great community um, in the Discord there as well. But of course, all the tools, you as the user become the hero. You have all the research and tools you need to originate your own bets or just tag along with the experts like John. Of course, I hit my plus 400 parlay um, NFL uh, alt, alt line parlay last week as well. John, uh, did you tail that with me? You join me on that one? No. I wish no, I did. I never would. I know. Never would. Hurt my feelings. Uh, you know what? It was scary. We were hitting, we were getting them half a point. The, the early games, we, we, we slid past those early games. It was beautiful. And then the late games, you know, the, the second half of that parlay, we just, no worries. It was just smooth sailing. Yes. I know. I, I I caught I caught on after you uh, hit the first few legs, and then I'm like, all right, now I gotta now I gotta I, watch this. I was like, this is this is happening. We're hitting our plus four hundred. I called it the this shit definitely should win, but yeah. something's probably gonna fuck it up. Parlay, like well, I like to name the parlay. Detroit was like it was sort of iffy, you know, and then they wound up kind of covering. It was super you know. close. There was a couple games I, where we snuck by, and I was just like, man, you know what? It's good that I went like two and a half instead of three, or, mm -hmm. or one and a half instead of two in this one, because we 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 got by the skin of our teeth, but a plus 400, you don't hit that every day. So Did you, did you see the numbers for Sharp App last month? No. no. I just posted, I just, uh, po actually, Anthony posted it in the uh, Discord, but I posted the numbers for, uh, you know, I compiled the numbers at the month end. I think uh, as a team, like plus 46 units, for, as That's a team sick. for the month of October. And I think I'm forgetting now, October, um, September was something. September was really positive as well. 50, for, like 50 or 60 yeah. units to the plus as well. What so John's referring great. to, we also, we, we do track like, so we have our staff, uh, of course, the Sharp App staff with John and Anthony and Steve and, and Mitch and, and Mutt and Madness. And um, so we track, we track the, the plays that they're sharing with the community. And that's part of what we do at sharp. Of course, we're building these tools, the optimizer and all that other stuff, but there's also a team of, of sharps that just tip their, their plays and share with the community and people can follow along. They can bet with them or not, whatever you want to do, but at least it gives you an idea of where some of these guys are betting on any particular slate, all sports, everything. It, it covers everything. So, um, yeah, we track it and yeah, 42 units as a team is pretty damn 40, good. It was like almost 46 and it's these guys, like as a team, we're using the tool. Like as we build the tool, we're building tools that we're gonna that we need to help us become better handicappers, and you know, and it, and then it's showing in our bet. But like the people, you know, just the subscribers who don't necessarily want to tail our stuff, yeah. and they're using the tools just to become better sports betters. It's been phenomenal. One of the great things about the Sharp Project is exactly kind of what you've said, which is um, part of what we did with Sharp App was bring on really sharp betters because. The, the way that DFS Army came together for me, I play a lot of DFS. I don't consider myself a sharp better per se. I mean, it's fun to do a, a parlay and, and to do what I do, but I don't, I don't consider myself that. But I do like to bet on the games and I want to become a sharper better. And that's part of what it is. But we brought in with the team all these sharp betters like John and, and, and the rest of the team. And we're building tools based on their recommendations. In other words, uh, of course, sharp surgeon as well. So like what we're doing is we're saying, hey, sharp better, what? what in this tool would you want to see to help your your play and what what data would help you make these decisions and then we're we're focusing on that stuff and building the tools that way 
By the way, that's why our our price picks and sleeper tool is different from what's around the industry. Like around the industry, it's just a comparison of odds. And, and we, we've leveled it up. We, we effectively um, contracted the best um, player prop models in existence. And we've added it so that you have a second layer of, of, of reasoning. And we're, we have a third layer coming and a fourth layer coming to make those plays even sharper um, across the board. So stay tuned for that if you're a Sharp App subscriber. And if you're not, get signed up now. Um, promo code DFSA20 knocks 20% off that price. Um, that's going to do it for the game plan. NFL week nine. We will see you guys back here next week. Good luck. And um, let's uh, let's uh, cash these bets.